Is Tim on the line? Yep. Timo. Timmy. Timolino. Tim Timony, Tim Timony, Tim Tim Tree. I am back. Ooh, I'd like number three. Guess who's back? Yep. Back again. Tim is back. Tell us, my friend. Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. Well, hello, guys. It's that time of year. It's Paul-o-ween. Ooh, very exciting. The time when Paul doesn't quit talking about scary things, and Tim pretends that he's not here. <laughs> so this is this is the the annual celebration of when Paul was weaned, right? It is. It is. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with Paul's weed. So it's, just say it. It's the fifth annual observation of, of that occurrence, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know what the sad thing is? Sir. So, so since we're talking about this, I stayed on the bottle for way longer than most kids do. On the bottle or on the nipple? The bottle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are pictures of me when I'm like four years old with oh, a God, stone Paul. bottle. <laughs> So you're some kind of retard. Is what yes. <laughs> Clearly, they should. They, they put me out to the farm, and I got better. Well, and those of you who've never met Paul, he's got a, a gigantic head. So, I mean, this all makes sense. <laughs> he's some kind of genetic throwback. <laughs> Clearly. I, I do walk like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> That's true. That's true. True fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, what are you doing for Halloween? I am probably going, you know... <sighs> I guess the scariest thing about this Halloween is that we're getting a freaking hurricane here. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah, so it gets in the way of my, my Halloween plans a little bit. And I had hoped to... Uh, and, and, and I saw on the news this morning, they're like, yeah, and it might hit this cold front, too, and turn into some kind of god storm. Yeah, I keep hearing yeah. it called the perfect storm. Yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. It could wipe Paul right off the map. Just scrape him off the earth like he never occurred. No, we cannot <laughs> have that happen. Paul cannot be wiped off the map until after the return of his mom jokes. <laughs> well, you just think that's how you could eulogize him. <laughs> In six months or two months. Paul's also not good at math. Took him a while to get off the bottle. Also not good at math. <laughs> it's all coming together. It is all pieced together like memento. <laughs> you know, Jake Ekus is working on a picture of you right now, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it de- it depends on the weather. You know, if there if it is hurricaning, it, I I imagine I probably won't be doing much other than sitting around the house in the dark, <laughs> in the dark, <laughs> hoping that your Kindle battery doesn't give out. Exactly, and you know what, the Kindle battery is not all that great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I I'm hopeful that you know we'll be fine. I'm not worried about it too much. Uh, you know, but the, even though everyone's describing it as the perfect storm and Frankenstorm. 
Frankenstorm. <laughs> Frankenstorm. Of course, weather.com says a monster storm. Awesome. I hadn't heard Frankenstorm. Well, at least you haven't heard Cthulhu Storm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or just Cthulhu. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it could be. It could be. There could be some old ones in there. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Ooh, it'll be like The Fog or The Mist, the Stephen yeah. King book. Yeah. 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 So have fun in, in, in the middle of the country, you bastards. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to hang down here, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go to Rocktoberfest tonight. So, uh, Ooh, what's that? Uh, it's our neighborhood uh, uh, block party. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, that it's not like, you know, uh, Van Halen or, or something, you know. Yeah, like Bruce Springsteen's not planned, you yeah, know. No. I mean, Billy Idol played some kid's uh, birthday party. You think you could at least get Springsteen? Yeah, no, it's just a little block party. Yeah. I think there'll be sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be rocking? Yeah, there'll be rocking and some, some bratwurst and, uh, you know, copious amounts of beers. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm up for it. I just imagine posters that say Rocktoberfest this Saturday. Yeah. Aaron's neighborhood. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Rock the drive. <laughs> so, Aaron. Sir. I thought I would have some good news for you. And? So a new paranormal activity is out in theaters. Uh. <laughs> I know how much you love those movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mess with your head movies. <laughs> It's quite good. I think you should see it. I think you should see it in theaters. You know, I it has something. For if the if the previews are are anything to go off of, it mm-hmm. features something in this movie that I find terrifying. Cats, children, <laughs> and 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 I just I I think that'll just you know have me screaming in the middle of the night. So uh, you know, they're they're not just children. They are demon children. Yeah. See, I'm thinking that's just going to be bad. <laughs> I, uh, it, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth seeing. I enjoyed it. I mean, if you like the others, you'll like it. Otherwise, it's the same. You know, if you didn't like the others, you, this isn't going to change your mind because it's the same film as the last three. Now, just it, with kids. Now, you know, I've not seen three. I saw one and two, but I've not seen three. Oh, three has kids too. You should see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you get right on the, Did you beat yourself Netflix. a little? Um, a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of thought. Yeah, I try not to talk about it a lot because <laughs> I kind of played it off because I wanted to go to lunch after. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I sat in something in the seat at the theater. We're painting an entire Paul picture this week. <laughs> this is not working for me. <laughs> Big headed, he's on himself. Bad at math. Yeah, it was on the bottle. You know, it was on the bottle. So like when Eric comes up, <laughs> swapped out the milk bottle for the rum bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Paul. Yeah, poor me. So you know, I you saw Paranormal Activity uh, yes. four, and I also hear that you saw the lost episode of Young Justice. I wanted to start oh. a fresh recording just so because it yeah. said it was still going. I just didn't trust it. Our right. last recording was spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where were we? Um, I'll, let me just transition you back to uh, the lost episode of Young Justice. Okay. Okay. All right. Should I count you in? Yeah. <laughs> if you could, that would be great. Thank you. Three, two. What happened to one? Do I not get one, or do we just is one assumed? You just assume one. Uh. You go on one, or do you? I guess you don't wait for one if one is assumed. Uh. <laughs> so really, it's just it's just a one-two count. Just fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> that was really what we were waiting. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, really, that, that's how I need to be how I need to be counted in from now on. Three, two, just fucking go. <laughs> God, that is that. Yeah, anytime someone needs to be counted in, that's what we do. That's our that's our move. <laughs> so, Paul, you solved uh, Paranormal Activity four, um, but I also understand that you saw the Lost episode of Young Justice. Yeah, I did. Um, so we talked a little bit last week about how DC Nation, the block has been delayed until January, um, pulled off the air last minute by Cartoon Network for reasons still unknown. Um, just, you know, there's a lot of speculation about it and things like that. So, uh, but the episode has been released online via iTunes and other avenues. And so I, I did end up seeing the, the lost episode of Young Justice. And I gotta say... Having seen it, I almost feel like it's a content issue. What do you mean? There, it, it is a very violent episode. Um, really? It, it, and not just violence, but violence towards women. Um, a, really? fema- a female character is basically repeatedly smashed into the door for about 20 seconds. And that's wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if he had just shaken her, they would have aired it. But because, huh. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that makes me wonder if when they finally do release it, if it'll be a uh, an edited version. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but it struck it struck me as. I mean, this is the most violent. I mean, and it's been a violent season. Very dark. Very dark. I love the version of it. But I mean, and that's not the. I mean, and the, but the the scene with uh, this character getting bashed into the door repeatedly was. I mean, it kind of caught me off guard with it. Um, and then another character gets pretty viciously mind-wiped. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I mean, these are slight spoilers, but I'm not telling you who the characters are. Right. But um, it, it is a very, very adult, very dark episode. The darkest of the bunch so far in a, seri- in a season that we've already said, you know, we're surprised with what they've gotten away with. Sure. So I, a season that actually had me cringe at one point because it was so dark. Yeah, and th- th- this is the darkest of the bunch. I mean, by yeah. far. I-, I was very surprised with some of the things that they did in the episode. And it's a fantastic episode. I mean, it is a great, great episode. A uh, lot of payoff in the episode. A lot of things come to a head. But, you know, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a content issue, and that's why it was pulled. And, it would, you know, and DC Nation is kind of put together as a block. Yeah. So a delay in Young Justice, which unfortunately the episodes do have to be shown in order would, of course, translate to a delay to Green Lantern as well. Sure. So I think that, that that could potentially be what happened. I don't know if we'll ever know, but having seen the episode, I, I do kind of think it might be more of a content issue. Wow. That's surprising. I, yeah. It, it's definitely worth watching. But I think if they wanted to get it, you know, it, it, I think they should just put the, sh- the damn DC Nation as a primetime show. Don't I, they? Is it not aired on Fridays in, in first run? I don't know, because I, I watched on TV, so I'm not really sure when it comes on. No, Saturday morning. Is it? Yeah, okay. basically like 9 to 10, I think, or 10 to 11. Mm. Yeah, I only know that because the uh, when I missed the one episode that they didn't show, I went and had set all of the others to record, and all of them were in the morning. Yeah, so, I'm, I, again, I mean, compared to some of the other shows on TV, or some of the other cartoons on TV, much darker. So, I mean, we'll see in January when the, when the episode comes out, if it's edited. But I hope not, because it's a damn good episode. Yeah, that you know, I, I'm I am 
sad that it's not on because I was enjoying it, and I just I'm, I'm looking forward to its return. Well, but you know, if they, if this is something they need to do direct to DVD, I'm fine with that as well. Yeah, I, mean, I just want to see DVD it. stuff does fine sales wise. So I mean, right. I think that's what they should do. You know, um, and, and if if they feel the concept of Young Justice is questionable, perhaps what they should swap it out with instead is Superman versus Spider Man Triple X. You know, I'm, I would be all on for that. Yeah, Cartoon yeah. Network Saturday morning Sativa. You know, because what I like about it is you get that classic, you know, superhero versus superhero action, and then they make up with the hot gay sex. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. No, just imagine, you know, it's that scene where... <laughs> I don't have where, to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> where Spider-Man is upside down, and he, and he descends down on his web line, and there's, there's you know, Superman kind of hovering, and they, they do that half-mask kiss between the two of them. <laughs> that was you not know, where I the plus going. <laughs> and the plus side is that it's bound to be more like Superman than anything Grant Morrison's ever written. True. Oh, true. true. So, yeah. You know, the, the, um, if you it's go online. matches the horror theme of the, the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you go online, they have the, uh, the cover art for the, the box of the, 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 the porn movie. <laughs> and, uh, it, it is a recreation of the Superman versus Spider-Man comic from the 80s. And it's really kind of surprising because, I mean, most porn movies don't have the dudes so prominent on the cover. Um, yeah, well, and I think this promises some, some, some great superhero on superhero guy banging on guy. I, I'm pretty sure Vivid or Vivid Entertainment is a straight porn manufacturer only. Sorry, Aaron. You know, you can't deny the love that exists between Superman and Spider-Man. I so can yeah. Peter and Clark, you know. <laughs> They're a conservative porn. <laughs> <laughs> they have bumper stickers that say sex equals man, woman. <laughs> you know, some boundaries. Sex is something out. that should exist between two women and a man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's in the Bible. <laughs> the way God wanted it. <laughs> you, you know how you can tell this is going to be good? Miss Testmacher is in there. <laughs> Who? Uh, it's the actual actress, too, isn't it? You know, from, from the... From the <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I... So... It's, it's, I gotta tell you, I'm very amused. Because, you know, I... I I, do, you, do you remember when those when those uh, uh, those comics came out? There were those big, you know, extra size like you know coffee table sized books. Yeah, uh, the, the big <laughs> Spider Man, Superman, you know, Spider Man, Superman versus Spider Man, and you had Hulk versus Superman, and you had Muhammad Ali versus Superman, and there, there was a uh, Batman versus Hulk one too. Yeah, I've got all of these. Yeah, and there were those, and. and I always enjoyed those big oversized issues. I just hated having to figure out how you were going to store them. But uh, I, I love that they're aping that cover, you know, that cover where with Superman and, and, and Spider-Man, you know, facing off. It just cracks me up. Yeah. Hey, it's got Spider-Woman in it, too. You know, that that's just good. That's <laughs> yeah. just Smart, smart right. marketing. They should have Spider Woman in everything. <laughs> it's a two disc collector's edition. You know what's fun? You know what would be awesome if they had a comic book documentary on it. You know, I, I gotta tell you that would that would be fantastic. I might that buy this on Blu-ray. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
So Doc's in this, and the preview of he looks pretty bad, but it, it leaves me asking the question, if Doc Ock holds down one of the females with his tentacle arms, is that tentacle rape? I think it qualifies. Uh, I would imagine so. Well, yeah, there are tentacles involved in the in the raping. <laughs> this is going to a dark, I, dark place. I think we just broke Tim. <laughs> well, you know, but I, but I think that it's a nose lock, lock on Spider-Man action, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. Right. It's that it's that scene where he's got each tentacle on one of his arms and each tentacle on one of his legs and he's up in the air and he's like, he's struggling and then it goes dark. It's that, it's that thought bubble over, you know, Spidey's head that it's, you know, wait, I thought he only had four tentacles. Oh, <laughs> uh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Spider sense is tickling. Oh, you know, it, so this is going to be a porn parody. There has to be a line somewhere in there. My spider sense isn't the only thing that's tingling. I'm sure that's already happened. Don't you think that might have already happened in the Spider-Man porn? Done. I, I would hope so. Done. I don't know. I haven't it's seen it, but I would hope that, so. That brings joy to, to the world. <laughs> the porn <laughs> doesn't bring joy to the world. Turning his Conan. <laughs> I, I think you probably need to repeat that because I think we. I may have talked. I think like twelve people were talking over Tim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, shut up. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger coming back as Conan, King Conan. Dun 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 dun. So happy. Uh, so and the wailing of the women. <laughs> so does this mean we're not going to uh, to get a sequel to the Jason Momoa Conan that everyone loves so much? I think that is exactly what that means. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hated that last Conan movie with a passion. I did not see it. It's terrible. Tim, did you ever see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Really? I, it I, I was waiting for Tim to go see it. And if, 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 Tim, if Tim had a positive review, I was going to go. Because Tim's my resident Conan fan. Well, I was waiting for the library to get it so I could I could rent it for free, mm-hmm. and, I, and I didn't see the library get it. So I was like, "Well, there you go, there you go." Yeah, I I, I kind of like those older King Conan stories. I don't know if you any, you guys ever read any of the books, but uh, uh, I, I I kind of stoked for that, even though I you know Schwarzenegger's kind of a joke, but. Uh, I, I'm kind of stoked for that. You know, I he's, didn't. He's the appropriate age. Yeah, I didn't see Expendables too. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to be seen. <laughs> but Arnold's been doing. I mean, some of his movie projects I'm genuinely excited about. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, then uh, this. I mean, some of his movie choices. Uh, I, and I think this is probably the biggest announcement so far. I know he's supposed to be doing another Terminator somewhere in here. Well, I understand he's going to be starring in his own Terminator porn parody. <laughs> no, <laughs> past the porn part. <laughs> uh, all, all of the women are just maids, though. <laughs> I impregnated her. <laughs> but no, uh, King Conan, hell yeah, hell yeah. That's a, yeah. an exciting announcement. I'm down for that. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, there's a part of me that realizes how ridiculous I, I, I sound, but uh, I, I'm going to embrace it. I am down for that. Don't care. Don't yeah. listen to that little voice. Yeah, screw that guy. Yep. Yeah. We call yeah. that stupid Aaron. Now, you know who else is stupid? <laughs> Dan Slott. I'll call Dan Slott stupid. He already doesn't like us. <laughs> But, you know, when you're out there in the tweeters, 
and, uh, you know, you spoil your big surprise. Um, I think that doesn't make you smart. <laughs> I mean, sure, he didn't, you know, take a picture of himself topless and tweet it to the world when he was supposed to be tweeting it to his boyfriend. But, uh, you know, it's, he's still... Did you do that, Aaron? No, but, you know, there was that, that, that chick from, uh, from uh, Newsroom that did that. Oh, yeah. She thought she was sending her, her topless picture to her boyfriend and instead sent it to her 300,000 followers. Nice. <laughs> you know. See, I really find it hard to believe that they use Twitter as their form of communication when working. See, I don't. Uh, Dan Slott is... Okay, so Dan Slott is a big Twitter person. Yeah. He, he tweets all the damn time. He's like, hey, woke up. Hey, walking to, to the donut shop. Drinking my coffee. You know, I mean, he, 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 Dan. No, Slot's on Twitter all the time. Slot is on Twitter yeah. all the time, yeah. and so I don't, you know, I don't, because he has. I've seen him say, "Hey, DM me when you get this. I need to talk to you about blah blah blah." DM me when you get this to to his um, creative team, and I think it's maybe because sometimes Twitter's quicker to access for them than their email. I don't know, but um, I, I don't know if this is misdirection or not. But he has not acknowledged it. Since it happened, and the tweet has been deleted, um, we did a little bit of a spoiler warning on this one. I think. Hit it, Tim. <laughs> so Dan Slot, uh, in reference to uh, something to, uh, in talking to Ryan Stegman on Twitter, Stegman, Stegman, um, referenced a character named Miguel. Um, and, and I gotta say. Suddenly, semi-hard. <laughs> uh, in reference to Superior Spider-Man, he, he said, no, his eyes do something like this. I'll send you some reference. Yeah. Um, so there's a character named Miguel in Superior Spider-Man. And, you know, th- again, without the acknowledgement of the tweet, everyone's thinking that this is possibly the reveal that Miguel O'Hara is going Spider-Man to be Superior Spider-Man. Yes, it's going to be Superior Spider-Man. I would be so excited if that were the uh, if that actually turns out to be the case because we know it's only a temporary thing. Peter will be back under the mask before too long, but the idea of getting uh, Spider-Man 2099 for a little while. Well, and it, and it makes sense because of how much I'm waiting for this. How does it make sense? Well, it does make sense. I mean, if you look at what they've laid down in the book, there there have been the there was a time travel story. Yeah, okay. And then in this week's uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 696, there's the whole uh, tachyon uh, chrono technology that Max was employing. So time is, you know, time travel and time technology is certainly something that is at play in the current yeah. story. And if you look at the popularity of the character right now, because of the video games, he's fresh in people's minds. I mean, he was one of the more popular characters, him and uh, Spider-Man Noir in uh, in the Shattered Dimensions, to the point that they actually gave, you know, a second video game that was half focused on him in Spider-Man Edge of Time. So, I mean, he's he is a character that they've been in other media bringing back and kind of, you know, putting in the forefront again. Well, and, you know, Miguel does have that thing going on with his eyes. And the claws on yep. his hand, you know, that, that yep. explains, you know, he's got claw hands just like the superior Spider-Man does. Yep. Yeah, because that's how he does his climbing, and that would, that makes perfect sense when you, when you look at the claws and you think about that. I, I hope this really turns out to be the case, because 
I would love to see him in the regular Marvel Universe for just a little while. Well, and I got to say, I mean, if if this was a legitimate uh, you know, mistake or if this was just something to, to you know, uh, get people jazzed. Either way, it's it worked for me because, you know, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to be off for Superior because this just seems like a good jumping off point. But if it's Miguel, because I I loved Super uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, I just really did. The Spider Man twenty ninety nine was fantastic. Yeah, I even jumped back on Exiles for a while when he was on their team. Well, and what's because I like the character. And the thing that I lo- that I really like about it is you know Spidey twenty ninety nine was written by Peter David, and Dan Slott very much has a Peter David sensibility about him. You know, I, I think those two kind of write in the same in a similar voice. Um, so I, I I can really see Dan Slott doing a good job with with the character. So I am I am stoked. I hope it's Don't true. Let me down. I might have to get Spider Man again. Ah, uh, look at you, Tim. Go Tim. I don't, don't want to go back. Go Tim. Twenty ninety nine Spider Man. Well, but Tim, you're not going to be buying Journey into Mystery anymore, so you got to swap it out with something. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only announcement of who would be under you know under the mask that would have made me more excited would have been Ben Riley. And honestly, I didn't even really care for him as Spider-Man. I just like Scarlet Spider. Uh, I think I would have been... that over in Scarlet Spider. But that's not the same Scarlet Spider. But it's a, but it's still, it's a good Scarlet Spider. It's more oh, it's incredible. Yeah. That's Dark Spider-Man. So, uh... Awesome Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man number 696. Uh, yeah, so this is... Is this the second part of the Hobgoblin storyline? Yes. Okay, because it's the first part that actually had much Hobgoblin in it. Right. <laughs> um... So, yeah, second part of the Hobgoblin storyline, written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage, art by Giuseppe Kimunkali. Uh What do you guys think? I love this book so much. I This whole storyline, I love. It's the best Spider-Man storyline since I've come back. It's the best Dan Slott Spider-Man storyline I've read. Now, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> but I didn't. I'm not it. nearly the Dan Slott fan you guys are, though, so... No, I enjoyed it. I, I like that, um, you know, there isn't any real Spider-Man in this issue. It's all Peter Parker and Max Modell. It you know, felt take... like such a Spider-Man story, though. And that's what's bothered me lately, is they haven't felt like Spider-Man stories. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, unfortunately it's a story we've seen before, you know. I've captured Spider-Man's best friend, Peter Parker, and if Spider-Man doesn't show up, we're going to kill him. But the way they did it, and, you know, the, the character, uh, you know, with Max Modell and all that, I thought it was well done. I really thought it was well done. I love the art. I, I love this guy's art, Kimunkali. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he is, I'm glad that he's moving on to Superior with uh, Ramos and Stegman. Well, I particularly like the way he draws Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's a really good Hobgoblin artist. Yeah, and I love the old Hobgoblin, because he looks like an old-ass Hobgoblin. Yeah, <laughs> and and I love you know the in terms of the the story and the way the characters interact. I love how Dan Slott has laid down you know Peter Parker's backstory at uh, you know Horizon Labs, you know so that <clears throat> you know Peter is doing all of the secret work for Spider Man, and so when people you know walk into his big closet with all of his spider gear, they're like, oh yeah, well he does this for Spider Man. You know, and I just I just love how they kind of talk themselves out of the logical leap, which would be Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Well, and it gets even closer to it because uh, Max is watching him use the you yeah know, the web shooter the web shooter. Yeah, and he's like, if I didn't see you standing next to Spider-Man, 
and then he just kind of stops his right. uh, his thought. Yeah, no, I I I, think, I I thought this was a very well done book. Now I have a question, sir, because Phil Urich uses his hobgoblin things, his little bat drones, right, to uh, take naked pictures of uh, that reporter <laughs> girl. Great. Yeah, Nora. Yeah, that's Nora. expected. Well, how is that expected? It's his girlfriend. Can't she just? Can't you just bring a camera into the bedroom? I don't know that they are having that kind of relationship yet. No, we've seen them in bed before. Have we? I think so. Uh, I don't recall. I haven't. I don't but recall this is the first storyline I've seen with him. So I have seen them in bed before. Okay. I think. Maybe he it wasn't was, here. Maybe it wasn't Punisher. <clears throat> well, maybe he just likes to watch. Yeah. I mean, even so, he can't get whatever he wants. I guess. Well, and I mean, you know, Paul. Yes. You know, when you were a young man, didn't you document, you know, the the various nudity of the women that you were with? I mean, you know, I assume that that's what everyone does, right? With their consent. (laughs) I I always thought it was. Oh. (laughs) Oops. I just always thought consent was implied. (laughs) You date me? You allow me to take pictures of you at any time. And, uh-huh. and post to my YouTube channel. <laughs> and post in my Twitter feed. <laughs> I have been so excited about this storyline, though. It's, I love the original Hobgoblin. I, you know, I like the darker storyline because we haven't had a darker one in a while. And for the first time since coming back with that, with slot writing, even though I know it's Spider-Man, I know nothing bad is going to actually happen to him. You, I actually feel a sense of you know, danger for the character, which I've had a hard time feeling in any of the slot stories. Even though they've been bigger stories than this one, this is the first time I've actually felt, you know, the character was ever in any kind of danger. Well, well, I think uh, what I think I like most about the storyline is that it's looping back to things that were set up in the big-time storyline, you know, the the very first um, post-brand-new-day storyline. So this is kind of... A culmination of a lot of storylines. Um, I, I like that they're they're just kind of building up to to wrap everything up in a bow to set it up for the Superior Spider-Man coming. Uh, Miguel O'Hara, hopefully, twenty ninety nine. No, that's going to happen. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. If not, exactly. Aaron's, Aaron's going to cut pictures out of his Spider-Man twenty nine. <laughs> <comic. laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly what's going to happen. Uh, so, Aaron. Yes. I noticed on Twitter this week you posted that you were reading Punisher Warzone number one. Yes, sir. Which is the conclusion of Greg Rucka's uh, run on Punisher. He he is leaving very unhappy uh, on the title because they, you know Marvel wanted to take the Punisher and kind of branch him out. He's going to be on the Thunderbolts team, um, and so Greg Rucka's like, well, that's not the plan I had for the character, you know. But they're giving him a chance to wrap up his storyline in this uh, miniseries Punisher Warzone. Right. I hated this book. Really? Why? I read it because you were reading it, but I now, just keep in it. mind I did not say Paul read this book. No, he's not like me. I'm like Aaron, read this book. Aaron, there's a gorilla on the cover. Read it. <laughs> uh, I volunteered to read it, so I'm not blaming you. Uh huh. But I hate you for making me read this book. <laughs> no, so what, I, tell I, me I, what you hated about it. Um, so it started off okay. You know, there's a confrontation between Spider-Man and Punisher. Punisher gets the best of him. That's okay. Right. And then the end of the book was okay, too. Wolverine confronts Frank Castle, gives him a chance to get away from the Avengers, and Frank is like, well, you know they'll know 
you told me, and you know, basically they cover it up by Wolverine stepping into an explosion. Um, enjoyed that. The middle of the book, which is like ten pages of the Avengers saying, eh, it's just the Punisher who gives a shit. <laughs> bugged the hell out of me. Tony Stark's like, I have to go back to a concert. Who gives a crap about the Punisher? I don't care that he's killing people. Who cares? Who cares? Ah, and Thor's like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go back to Asgard. It's just the Punisher. And I'm like, seriously with this? I mean, with the Earth's mightiest heroes are like, eh, who gives a crap? It's just the Punisher. Well, you know, he you only know. murdered some cops. You know, I mean, I know he didn't, but, you know, you, you'd think... The newspaper says he murdered some cops. You think they would bring him in for questioning or something, but they just don't give a crap. And I'm like, seriously, with this, they're like, yeah, he's, he's not even super powered. Who gives a crap? You know, I mean, come on. I, you know, I felt like their perspective was valid. I felt like they were selfish pricks. Well, but you know, when you're when you're used to fighting, you know, galactic level menaces, it's hard to adjust your your sights to oh, yeah, street level guy. You know, I mean, I, I get that. I don't. I don't. Because, I, you know, I mean, Avengers, they stepped in on Shadowlands. They, you know, I mean, they, they, they do. Sh- yeah, but the new Avengers stepped in on Shadowland. Yeah. So the big. This is Tony Stark's Avengers. Yeah, I just didn't expect them to be that much of. I mean, they, they were just assholes. Well, but, you know, they're kind of assholes. <laughs> I just I, I didn't like the characterization. I didn't like that they were just like, who gives a crap? Yeah. Well, and you also, I mean, when you're looking at that core team, you know, you've got Black Widow and Wolverine, both of whom are conflicted about whether Frank is somebody they ought to bring in. Well, and I love it because, well, and I use love sarcastically here, because, you know, Captain's like, Captain America's like, no, we're going to do something about this. And instead of saying, Thor, wrap this up in 20 seconds, he's like, eh, but we don't need someone superpowered. Black Widow, why don't you go handle it? She's like, okay, cool. I mean, seriously, what what is what is the logic behind these decisions? Well, you know, Thor's got some, Thor's busy <laughs> <laughs> doing what? Well, he's got to he's got to brush that hair a hundred times. <laughs> I, I I just I, the characterization of the Avengers frustrated me so much in this book. Okay, so so remove the the, uh, the Avengers <laughs> insert. Now, Paul says ten pages. And it's one, two, three, four, five, six pages. Okay. So Paul exaggerates yes. by forty percent. <laughs> um, I read it digitally, <laughs> so it seemed like it was going on longer. Yes. You had to enjoy it a panel at a time. Now, it remo- if you just had the opening sequence and you just had the end sequence, you know, the Punisher pages essentially. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the book? If I, if it was just that stuff, it would have uh-huh. been okay. It really was the seed, the the six pages in the middle that bugged me, and six pages out of twenty is, is a pretty significant chunk. No, I agree. I agree. It's big. The third of the book, so the first third yeah. of the book, and the last third of the book I enjoyed. It's the middle that I really just I did not care for. You know, the confrontation between Spider Man and Punisher was was fine. You know, mm-hmm. it was a little it was a little clumsily written, I thought, mm-hmm. because I mean the way Punisher got one up on Spider Man, who has spider sense. And should have known better. Well, his spider sense did clue off. He just didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Because because Frank is wily. (laughs) My favorite scene was the Wolverine scene. Which, of course, you know, is the way the book ended. So, I mean, it's a good way to end the book. But I just, I, I, that that middle sequence just bugged the hell out of me. Now, clearly you had a different opinion on the book. 
I really liked it, but I have been a huge fan of Greg Rucka on this run of Punisher. Uh, and I'm not really a Punisher fan, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, I have very much enjoyed, uh, his Punisher run. I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the team up between Spider-Man Punisher and, uh, Daredevil that he and Mark Wade wrote. Um, I just, I've been a big fan. Um, I've you know, enjoyed I it. Lo- I, I've read most of it with you. And, um, well, we haven't really talked about it. Well, and I haven't read the volume that preceded this, you know, the, the, the story that led up into Warzone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I read the front page of the, of the comic and, you know, we see that, uh, Rachel Cole Alves, who has been Lady Punisher, whatever you want to call her, with him, um, I did not know that she had been, you know, arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was news to me, but uh, I'm not familiar with you know the the Wall Street thing that occurred where they're alleging that uh, the Punisher killed these cops, yeah. you know. Because I'm, I'm picking it up in uh, in uh, hardback now, so I, I have that to look forward to when that comes out. But you know, I, I was just so intrigued by the by the Warzone story that I had to pick it up in single issue, and uh, I dug it. I, I really did enjoy this book. No, I, I think the art is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got uh, you know Carmine D. G. and Domenico, um, and I, int- I, I I intentionally pronounced that you know with my with my Texas flair. Um, <laughs> Is that what that was? G. and Domenico. Um, he usually can't bring his Texas flair to work. I make him put it away. <laughs> but uh, I, I dug it. I, I, it was, I, I don't like to talk fun. about Aaron's flair. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, I I, uh, I dug it. I, I I like the artwork. I like the writing. You know, I particularly like that. You know, um, in a previous issue, Frank had stolen one of Spider-Man's uh, web shooters, and how in this issue, when Spider-Man's all cocky, you know, I'm all super powered. I'm, you know, I, I've got all these things, and you're just a dude. And Frank takes him down and steals another web shooter. I just thought that was hysterical. Actually, the Texas Flare is one of Aaron's sexual maneuvers. It involves Roman candle and peanut butter. <laughs> it's also my wrestling name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I, I am out on Punisher Warzone. I'll wait till it's all done and I'll read it collected. Yeah, whatever, Paul. I, I did like the Rucker run. I think it was uneven. There were some definite issues that just felt like they were too decompressed. And the art, unfortunately, um, when it wasn't Marco Chiquetto. It, it just wasn't good. Uh, you're but not I, good. Your mom. Your mom. You're too decompressed. <laughs> you want to talk about a pretty cover, though? I paused for a full three-second beat in front of Superman 13. It's a pretty book, like, too. Uh, I'm not a Superman fan, but that is very pretty. Have... I say it was the previews that we've seen. And just uh, everything that you had said, Paul, about the... Is everybody else losing Wayne? I've lost Wayne entirely. Wayne, Wayne has lost me. Okay. Uh, Wayne, Wayne, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, start over. Wayne. Yeah, start completely over with what you started with with Superman, because okay. I didn't hear any of it. What sold me on Superman wasn't the cover. It was the previews that we've seen in previous weeks, and everything that Paul has told me about the writer's feelings on the character. That's what made me buy the book. God, Paul talking about his feelings again. Yeah. 
my, my, my feelings inside, not my physical feelings. <laughs> so Superman number 13 came out this week. This is the second issue uh, by the new creative team of Scott Lobdell and Kenneth Rocafort. They did the, the Zero issue last month, but this is the start of the new storyline, Hell on Earth. And uh, so three of us gave it a try, me, Aaron, and Wayne. Um, Wayne, since you started us off, how would you feel about the issue? So the issue itself wasn't uh, it wasn't spectacular, but it was good, and they really do seem to capture the personality that I want from Superman. For the first time since the new Fifty Twos come out, this actually sounded like Superman. See, I I I agree with you to a certain extent. This felt kind of like Superman by way of Peter Parker. I would agree. Um, you know, it is, you know, while he does have the same moral sensibilities that I saw in Superman, he has the emo aspect of Peter Parker. And I enjoyed it. I, I gotta be honest, I actually dug it. You know, this, in this issue, there's a big, everyone's referring to it as, uh, Clark Kent's Jerry Maguire moment. And, uh, I, I, I my favorite scene of the book was yeah, that. When scene. he was going, when he was making the comments about, uh, after being called a strange visitor from another planet, about having grown up and spent most of his life on a farm, that also made it feel like uh, this was actually Superman to me. As like we haven't seen that kind of thing since the New Fifty Two. It really it sounded like the Superman I'm familiar with. Now, Aaron, what do you feel about this issue? I, I absolutely agree. It does feel a little bit more Peter Parker than Clark Kent. Uh, but I gotta say, you know, uh, of the Superman stories that I have read since the New 52 began, this would be my favorite Superman story. That doesn't mean it's my favorite Superman story of all, of all time, or even in my top ten Superman stories, but I was, I was entertained and I was mostly not irritated by this book. <laughs> it's still not quite there yet. Right. But well, this is the closest they've been since the New 52. And I, I have a, you know, you, you, you just have to let some things go. But there's that whole scene where uh, Clark is in his apartment and he walks in on uh, uh, Jimmy banging some chick in the shower. Um, I, there's a moment where I'm like, but Clark has super hearing, you know, and, you know, even if even if it doesn't require super hearing, you'd still hear the shower running. And I understand he's preoccupied, but he's Superman. And I, you just have to let that go. Yeah, you yeah. got to let go a little bit. I mean, I, 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 I dug it. I, I do feel very much this is still not Clark Kent that we know and love from the pre-New 52. You know, but he is. I mean, he's drawn younger. Um, he, he, he's a younger Clark Kent. And, um, you know, he does have that Peter Parker sensibility. And you know what's funny? It had a, there's a preachy element to the book. Very much so. But it doesn't which go to JMS levels of preachy. Yeah, it still. I, I still thought it was a little awkward, and I think there's entirely too many words on the page. Um, I mean, I, I understand where he's trying, what they were trying to do, and they're trying to. I, I think in, in previous issues in this run, we have not seen the moral center of Clark Kent. Yeah, you know, and I think that I think that was the reason for you know Clark's soliloquy in this book. Where you know he goes on about you know the truth is that somewhere along the way the business of news became the news you know I mean so he's got that big lecture but you know there's also the point that uh, uh, he was hyper emotionalized by what he had learned about from Lois uh, you know because because that's that's playing on him as well but yeah. you know I I I can live with it 
I enjoyed this enough to buy Superman 14. Yeah, same here. Um, and you know and what? The art was gorgeous. Mm. You didn't like the art? You know, I, I, I think I like the uh, the inks on it. I don't care for the way the, the book was colored. I, I could agree. see that. Um, but I have to say, I'm very intrigued by the last page of this book. The new character or Supergirl? Yes, the new character. Yeah, but, see, that's but the, before uh, we talk about new character guy, I complained a little bit about the, uh, this on Twitter this week. Can we just take a moment to say how ridiculous Supergirl's costume is? I like it. <laughs> and and the target that's on her pelvis. I like it. You know, that as Scotty Bonner said, you know, in case you're wondering, here's my vagina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still like yeah. it. As much as I don't like the new costume, Supergirl's actual book has been very good. Yeah, I want to comment on that real quick. I read, uh, and we forgot to put it on the outline, so I'm going to talk about it really quick. I read Supergirl, the first arc. Um, the trade paperback is available in a Kindle edition on the Kindle Fire. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, I, w- I was... Set it on fire, too. <laughs> and so I, I bought it, and it was only like $9 for the trade, which is pretty damn good price. Um, and I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was the first seven issues of Supergirl. And um, the second arc is way better than that first one was. Even. But the, the Kindle Fire uh, comic reading app, you know, at first when I was reading it, I'm like, oh, it's going to be just like Comixology. It is quite a bit different than Comixology. And it takes some getting used to. Um, you know, I don't want to sideline us here, so I guess I'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But uh, you know, it, it's uh, if you're interested, Kindle Fire, and you have a Kindle Fire, they do have all these all the DC New Fifty Two trade paperbacks. Most of them less than ten bucks, so you might want to check it out. Um, and uh, I do recommend Supergirl, and I did like her appearance in this issue. So let's talk about the dude that they're that they don't see coming up behind them. Hell. I'm assuming his name is Hell. Okay, because, you know, if one didn't know better, you know, you see he appears to have the these Superman shield uh, etched, perhaps, into his chest. And the long hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, one might think that there's some correlation between this fella and perhaps Prime. Thoughts? Discussion? Huh, I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking it might be the New 52 version of Bizarro. You know, I, his arms are folded over his chest, but it certainly looks like under there is some kind of, you know, blood-red scar of the Superman S. Did you read this um, digitally? Yes. It is <laughs> a blood-red scar of the Superman S. Uh, there's an ad in the print version, uh-huh. um, but it's backwards. Oh, the S? Yeah, the S is backwards. Interesting. Yeah, and this is uh, this storyline is going to have some element of time travel involved because all of the Superman titles, the Zero issues, showed characters that shouldn't be there. They're on Krypton, right? Like Kal El was on Krypton, Supergirl was on Krypton, Superboy was on Krypton. Do you think that'll happen in this Hell on Earth crossover? Yes. Hmm. Now, okay, so um, so here's uh, my my main qualm with this book. It's not there yet, but it is a step in the right direction. Right. Unfortunately, it steps right into a crossover immediately. I also agree with that concern. I don't want to start buying all the Superman titles 
just be, you know, I'm excited about this. I just want to get a storyline of this before we go into a crossover. Exactly. I and don't want to buy Superboy. I don't want to buy Action Comics. Well, it's not Action Comics. It's just Superboy and Supergirl. Okay. I'm already buying Supergirl, but I don't want to buy Superboy. And I get it's only two months. It's only November and December. But still, when you start your book with a when you start your new series or your new creative team in a crossover, you know it's it's frustrating. So I can only hope that you know even though it's a crossover, it's kind of one of those crossovers where each book book can be read individually. That's my hope. Um, but you know I'll 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 pick up Superman number fourteen, which appears to be the next part. And I'll see if it says to be continued in Superboy number fourteen, or you know how how it's going to lay out. But I, you know, good, you know what else excited me about this book? Hmm. The right after I finished reading it, and I don't know if Aaron got this since he read it digitally, the preview for Earth One Volume Two Superman. No, they didn't put it in the uh, digital copy. Uh, they should have. <laughs> uh, so there's a two, four, six, eight, ten, tw- eleven. I counted. Um, wait. <laughs> Shut up. Call it math. Six, seven. There's a seven page. Math is hard. Um, there's a seven page preview of uh, Superman Earth One Volume Two, and um, it's entirely wordless. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of art with just phrases written on each page. Yeah. Power corrupts. Power seduces. Power consumes. But power is finite, and cu- and can cut deep. Even a man of steel can bleed. I uh, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, this looked incredible to me. I I enjoyed the first one. I'm excited about this one. See, I didn't enjoy the first one that much, but I'm gonna I'm gonna read Earth One Volume Two. I mean, there was enough there that I I was hoping that Volume Two, you know, stepping out of the origin story, will have enough. Um, uh, to keep me interested, so and then the art looks really nice on it. So fingers crossed. That, I think that we talked about um, that that comes out next week in comic shops and a week later in bookstores. You know, hopefully I am I am so picking it up. Yeah, I'm picking it up in comic shops. I'm not waiting the week. I'm picking it up. Yeah, and uh, I'm well, sure and I get about it. I, get, I, have, I get a pretty good discount at my comic book shop. So you know, it's not Amazon thirty percent off discount good, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And you know, for a yeah. book like that where you're gonna have to pay the shipping to order it alone anyway. Right. You know, no biggie. I'll pick it up at my comic shop. I'm uh, I'm happy to support my comic shop and uh I'm impatient, so yeah. well I yeah. want to be able to talk about it with my Paul next week. Uh, damn right. And maybe That's you're right. winning. I I think I'm planning on getting into comic shop too. I would have waited for the store if it wasn't for this preview. They did an excellent job with the preview. Mm-hmm. Of so, showing you just enough to get you curious. Yeah. So I have some bad news for you guys. What? No. Aaron, Wayne. No. You guys, unfortunately, you suck a little bit. Yeah, well, I've been to repair. Because you did not read Journey into Mystery 645 this week with me and Tim. Yeah, I, uh, I've been off but the I, Journey into Mystery since, this, uh, since the last story arc. And I've never read it, so why would I read it? Yeah, Paul. Well, because it's that damn good. All right, tell us what we missed. Well, Tim, can you give me another spoiler tag on this one? Oh, yeah. <coughs> spoilers. So, big spoilers. Big spoilers. The culmination... Can I, well, can I, can I stop you for a sec, Paul? Okay. Just for a sec. We, I, I at least sort of kind of bitched about the Everything Burns end. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think I said I wanted an A. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I was a week off of my A. Yeah, this was an A+. Plus. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the, the culmination of everything Kieran Gillen has done, this ties back to the very first issue of Journey into Mystery. Um, you know, we got a spoiler tag, and, and we mean it. <laughs> so if you I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much, Paul. You don't want to spoil so too much because we'll I mean, can curb it a little bit. But, but I mean, it's hard to not talk about this book without talking about the final spoiler because it leads into Young Avengers. Yeah, I suppose. All right, so here we. I'm going to spoil it. Uh, young Loki is no more. Kid Loki is gone, as we know him. Eh, that that's a little different. Physically, he's there. But he is inhabited by old Loki. See, I didn't get that, that. Yeah, that's what happened at the end. No, he ate the raven. Yeah, he ate the raven, swallowed the lie. And now he's possessed. And now, you know, the whole point was that Kid Loki would redeem the name of Loki. And that young Loki would have... Uh, young Loki swallowed the lie. And it, now it's old Loki and Kid Loki's body. That's what I got out of it. I didn't, I didn't get that. I got that he figured out a way to uh, end old Loki. Uh, see, that's not the way I read it. And maybe they leave it ambiguous, because it, it can be read in multiple... I can see how you got what you got. But I got that, you know, he 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 ate the bird, and now he is possessed by old Loki. I didn't get that, but... Let's, let's talk about my favorite my favorite part of this book. Mm-hmm. Was the whole Thor conversation? Yeah, that was good. Holy crap! Yeah, uh, basically, old Loki is saying to undo, uh, to to basically keep Mephisto from destroying the world. That old Loki has to take possession of Kit Loki's body, and so he gives Kit Loki an opportunity to basically say goodbye to the people who are most important to him. Well, to have three conversations. We have, yeah, three conversations, but he can't reveal anything. Now, did you get did you get that the thing with Hella? Oh yeah. Basically, that Hella becomes oh no, Leah. Leah becomes Hella. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, he, he his sidekick Leah throughout this entire thing uh, formed from Hella is actually young Hella. You know, she's sent back in time and grows up to become Hella. And uh, I thought that was really well done. And then there's the conversation with Thor that you talked about. Well, I I also like the the <laughs> he's done this a couple times where he he says, oh, and you know this happens and this happens and everybody lives happily ever after. And then Young Loki's like, no, no, it doesn't. That's a bunch of crap. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's done that a couple times lately. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like it's going to have a happy ending-ish. And it, it just, I, I, and maybe, I don't know, We, we. it sounds like we're going to have, and maybe we'll get our answers when Young Avengers comes out. But I got the impression that, you know, young old Loki's like, okay, now that you're ready, you know, I'll, I'll take over your body. And Kid Loki says, you know, I still won. You know, I, because I truly am a good person, and you're just still going to be yourself in my body. And so that's the way I read it. And at the end, that you know, old Loki has taken possession of Kid Loki. That's the way I read it. I'm but, sad now. I don't. I don't think that's the way it went. But 
I don't know. We'll we'll find out in Young I, Avengers, but that's the I, way I read it. I prefer to believe Tim. <laughs> Regardless, it's a damn good book. And it's it's got some great emotional beats. And it's everything that was missing from that finale of Everything Burns. Yeah. yeah. So, y'all, you guys are in for Young Avengers? Yes, god damn it. Yeah, well, <laughs> Kieran, Kieran Gillen's writing it. Yeah. So, you know... When does it start? I think... January, maybe? Oh... Too bad it's not next week. And and we found out that Journey into Mystery is continuing on. With Lady Sif. Correct. I have to say I'm interested. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, I, I don't usually buy trades. Right. I'm getting the entire Kieran Gillen run. Are you really? Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think this is a, uh, a stellar run. It's only, I mean, it had some crossovers and stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. and that's where it lost me was the... Uh, I guess it was during the Fear Itself crossover that I just got so fed up with it. Which was really good. Yeah, no, I think what it, I think when you dropped that was Exiled. The maybe new, you're the right. new mutants crossover. Oh, uh, and I and I I stopped at that point too for a little bit. Yeah. But, but I think you can get the entire run. I looked it up actually after reading this that I think the entire run is going to be in like six trades. Wow. Um, so Too bad they're not doing hardcovers. Yeah, but I mean, I, I am I am on board for for picking this run up in trades. It is just a, a fantastic run it has a beginning middle and end and uh just the way it ended was perfect i i, I am actually going to pick up mighty thor next week mm-hmm. um just to see if that has any mention of this uh, i probably shouldn't but i'm going to uh, <laughs> probably won't <laughs> it probably won't and i'll burn steal it paul burn steal it <laughs> I'm going to Paul steal it. I'm going to let Paul buy it and read it and tell me if it does. Well, I was hoping Tim would buy it and just give me the free digital code. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll burn steal it, and then if it's worth it, I'll buy it. There you and go. he'll, 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 he'll uh, take a picture of the digital code in the book that he burns stole. <laughs> <laughs> he'll peel off the sticker in the shop. That's right. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. <laughs> so, Aaron... Sir, it's only Porsche stealing. <laughs> did you uh, did you like the new issue of Micronauts this week? You know, I, Paul's pulling my leg, but uh, we're talking about uh, the new issue of Avengers, um, in which the Avengers take a trip to the microverse. So you know, maybe they'll bump into Scarlet Spider and Venom and Carnage while they're there. Definitely taking college continuity. <laughs> you know, Marvel loves continuity. I'm sure that they're all going to bump into each other. Marvel loves continuity so much, they seem to have disregarded Dan Slott's Mighty Avengers run that already said what happened to Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, yeah. And Fred Van Lente's Incredible Hercules run that also mentioned what happened to Janet Van Dyne. You know, and, and, and along those lines, do you ever get the feeling that... Uh, if you're an architect in the Marvel Universe, you are given carte blanche to just disregard whatever's come before. That does I often feel, feel like, like that's happening, yes. Yeah, I often feel like, particularly when I read a Bendis book, that he doesn't give two shits about what anybody else ever wrote. You know, that that he just... he and Sometimes he doesn't care about what even he wrote. Yeah, I, just, I feel like he doesn't, you know, put his arms around it and, and make it work within his story. Um, but, uh, you know... We are a spoilerific episode this time. Um, the woman that we saw in the previous issue, um, you know, we're all kind of wondering who that was. Well, she is revealed in this issue to have been Janet Van Dyne. And while, 
you know, we all saw her die in the pages of Secret Invasion, she tells us, oh, you thought I was dead. No, I can explain. Wait, we have another crisis. And so she does not get to explain how it is that she is not, in fact, dead. Kind of like that Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that happened in Avengers Assemble. Well, how did you get out of the cancerverse? Hmm. Oh, interruption. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of the old, you know, pulp series where, you know, the uh, the hero would be hanging over some lava pit with no way to escape, and the next issue opens up with, well, after I escaped, <laughs> you know, doesn't bother showing you, you know, how that happens. But, uh, you know, this is, this opens up with the Avengers receiving an Avengers membership card notification, you know, a, a signal and of course, you know, uh, Tony's trying to figure out who it is, and so he he enlists uh, uh, Hank Pym to validate his findings. You know, and Hank's all, well, you know, I told you a long time ago that you needed to put, uh, you know, codes on here to identify who the card belongs to. And Tony's like, yeah, I did years ago. And then they they realize that this is coming from Janet, you know, from Jan. So they all go to the microverse where apparently the signal is coming from. And uh, when we get there, we find out who the big bad guy is there in the microverse. And, oh, my God, if it's not either Baron Karza or Force Commander from the Micronauts. But, of course, we don't call him that. We call him Lord Gozer. And I got to tell you, he is all armored up and in his centaur body um, looking exactly you know, uh, in in concept anyway, like that character looked, the copyrighted Nego character looked uh, from the Micronauts. And so, you know, Marvel doesn't own that trademark, and boy, if this isn't pushing on uh, the legal limit, I don't know what is. Well, considering no one's using the Micronauts license <laughs> to any effect lately. Um, they still own it, man, and there's, 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 they still have stuff. I just that just blows my mind. Yeah. The only thing that this guy is missing is nipple rockets. <laughs> Maybe next issue. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I um I'm considering this is supposed to be the wrap up of everything from Bendis's uh arc uh-huh. on Avengers. I mean his ten years or whatever on Avengers. Right. I'm surprised he's wrapping it up with new concepts rather than I, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little surprised by that as well. I mean the the trip to the microverse coming up, I'm like, really? You know, yeah. uh, that, that's a little surprising. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, what about all the other stuff that you set up? I mean, I know the Ultron War is coming eventually. Right. But, I mean, you know, I'd rather see the culmination of some... I mean, yes, we're getting... He's wrapping up a lot of his stuff. Janet Van Dyne's coming back. Wonder Man's not bad anymore. The Vision's back. I mean, so all the stuff that he did. Right. But it'd be nice to see it more, more of a full circle, you know, mm-hmm. rather than... I mean, basically, his love of Micronauts is, this is basically a Micronauts homage storyline. That's what it feels like, and I'm good with that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just surprised that that's how he chose to wrap it up. I am, too. And, you know, maybe it's just one of those things like, oh, I meant to get to the Microverse. Well, let's do it now. It's really odd that they're telling two separate Micronauts stories in Marvel Comics at the same time. It is. And, 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 you know, you wonder if maybe the different editorial offices aren't talking, you know? I mean, after so long without a story, I could see one story to try to get whatever they do on of the rights, but two at the same time is just really odd. Yeah, I agree. It, it, the timing seems weird. Not bad. I mean, 
I know Aaron's happy. He's getting all this micronized stuff, but yeah, absolutely. Hmm. But so, I mean, as far as the issue read, what'd you think? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, I, it did seem like hurry up, get the game together so we can go to the microverse. But, uh, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. But I, I think that's all colored by the fact of how much I enjoyed the villain reveal. No, I'm sure. I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah, Lord, no, I'm sorry. Sprung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of finales, this week, FF number 23, the conclusion of everything Jonathan Hickman has been doing on both Fantastic Four and FF came out. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a done-in-one tale, much like the final issue of Fantastic Four. This one kind of centralizing on Franklin a bit. Aaron, what'd you think? Hated it. Really? I, I Boy, I hated this book. Um. And for much the same reasons as I disliked, uh, you know, the, the the last issue of Fantastic Four, you know. Now, I, I thought this was a little bit more appropriate for FF because, you know, the Fantastic Four isn't in it much. Um, yeah. you know, neither, I, I, hey, neither is the FF. <laughs> I mean, right, seriously. That, and and that's what that's what I was going to say. You know, the the uh, you know, you didn't have the Fantastic Four in the the final Fantastic Four issue. You just had Reed Richards. Um, and in this issue, you've got a few cameos uh, of, of of Reed and the, and the rest, but it is primarily uh, you know grown up Frank's Franklin Storm and uh, a little bit of Val. You know, I, I just I felt like this book was attempting to be sentimental uh, and to evoke some emotion that it hadn't laid enough groundwork. Uh, to evoke, correct. You know, I, I just it felt like it was trying to push an emotional thread that it hadn't done the work to 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 pay off on. I agree. I absolutely agree. I feel like this was the issue before the final issue. Yeah, it feels like there should in both books feel like there should still be. I get it. Everything at this point is wrapped up from Hickman's run. Right. He has wrapped up everything. Right. Nonetheless, I. Still don't feel like there's been a conclusion. Yeah, I feel like everything's been wrapped up, and I'm still waiting for that one denouement where everyone gets together and we see everyone having dinner around a table—the Fantastic Four and the FF, or something. You know, I mean, it just—it feels like it's missing that final scene. Yeah, I agree. And and you know, beyond that, I'm going to uh, you know look past your pronoun- pronunciation of Denouement, Denouement, and, yeah. and not mock you. Uh, we'll save that for later, or perhaps a bonus episode. Hey, 200 episodes <laughs> coming up. <laughs> but uh, Denouement, <laughs> do, do you? I and, and this is going to sound like I'm, I'm cracking wise, and I, that's not like me. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you feel? That the relationship between grown-up Franklin and grown-up Val seems a little too intimate. I thought that in previous issues. I dropped the book a little while back when I heard that uh, yeah, the creative team was. But I, I've thought since they first showed up from the future that they were a little too close for brother and sister. I, just, I mean, and, and, and seriously, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I am not. Uh, you know, trying to roll this out into a future foundation porn parody, but yeah, yeah it, you are. It, I gotta tell you, their their relationship seems a little too tender, a little too almost romantic. Um, it, I don't have a sister, 
<laughs> but I, I can't imagine that that is the way brothers and sisters are. I have a sister, and it's and, not. Okay, and does she and does she appear to you, uh, you know, nude in your in your dreams and 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 lays on the grass with you and has a picnic in your dream world? No, typically wow, did that actually happen at this issue? You know, her little her little dream image isn't wearing any clothes. Because I got the creepy vibe before, but that is just that's like no. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Also, like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch level creepy. You're not. It's not like you're seeing, uh, you know. Any of her 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 naughty bits, you know, you're not you're you're, you're not seeing like a, a fully rendered nude woman, but you're also not seeing any indication of clothing. You know, it's it's kind it's kind of it's a spirit. You are itself. seeing a rendition of. I mean, she she's a a blue being, right? I mean, very clearly nude. I mean, yeah. And you know, I mean, considering I don't think he has all this control he, over the universe, he I think he would just have a fully clothed Val well, <laughs> sitting there. And the thing that I find interesting is that, you know, at first I was going, okay, well, maybe, maybe he's, maybe the spirit self for older Franklin is the same, but he's clearly wearing pants and shoes in his, you know, dream self. But his sister appears to be ass naked. I just, I, it, I have to say, I, I don't know if it was intentional or not. But it feels like there is a relationship that would, by contemporary standards, be deemed inappropriate between brother and sister. And I just got to say that this boob, this book, this boob, this Freudian slip I've never heard one. This book, you know, really screams that at me. It just seems, it seems a little, a little uh, inappropriate. Now that said, I am down. For Franklin Bangs Val. Just saying. <laughs> Aaron. Sir. <laughs> You're a little creepy. <laughs> Thank you for making this Halloween title. episode creepy. Uh, so, since, since Aaron's already giddy at the thought of interfamilial relations in the FF, let's, let's keep him happy and start talking about some gorillas. So this week, The Flash, number 13, the first part of Guerrilla Warfare. I, uh, I asked Aaron to read it with me. Yes, you did. And Aaron, did you read you it? You even asked nicely. I mean, because a lot of times when you give me a book to read, it's like, read it, you pussy. Mm-hmm. You were actually, actually kind about this. Sweet, even, is how I would say it. Yeah, I, I, I caressed you much like Franklin and Val. Yeah, you were rather like a woman. <laughs> so, um, I said that about Paul Betty times. <laughs> The man boobs. The, <laughs> the moobs, if you will. Boobs. Um, I, don't like I think I disturbed myself for a moment there. <laughs> I didn't like this book, Paul. It was an iffy issue. I'll give you that. I, uh, you know, the art was great. Um, you know, I enjoyed the art. And, and, and it is it is the art that I that I now associate with the Flash. You know, Francis Manupol has worked on it long enough that, that you know, he may even be one of my, you know, top three Flash artists. I just really like the way he renders the Flash. I agree. Um, but the rest of the book, with the exception of one very awesome panel, did very little for me, you know. Um, you know, the, the I, I just... The attack on on uh, on the city by you know Gorilla Grodd and his uh, war monkeys um, 
just didn't seem very well orchestrated. You know, it just seemed kind of random, even though, you know, he was supposed to have a purpose to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to pick up the next issue, mainly for the fact, for, for for the last page. But let's talk about my favorite panel in this book. And I'm sure, Paul, you know which one it is. I read it digitally, so let me look. Oh, uh, just keep talking. Okay. <laughs> so there, there is a page in the book, you know, the the rogues had been busy whooping the tar out of Flash when the book starts. Gorilla Grodd and, and his guys all show up to, to seize the city. And so the rogues decide that they're going to help Flash uh, while all of this is going on. So one of the rogues, and I think it's Pied Piper, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, yes, yes. I know. Yeah, it is the Pied Piper. Okay. Oh, no, actually, so, it may have been the Trickster. And maybe it is Trickster. The the it is Trickster. He's got the big T on his chest. I just thought that was a a uh, design, but that's actually a big T. So, um, and they never called anybody by name in the book, so it was kind of hard to <laughs> figure out who was who when you're coming in, you know, in the middle of the story. But you know, Trickster walks up to Gorilla Grodd, and he's like, uh, you know, uh, so well, the Flash is kind of the head freak here, and he's not going to be happy about your little invasion. You can use a local liaison to show you around and get you in and out of anywhere you want to go. Someone who knows this place, like the back of his hand, for the right price, I'd gladly offer my help. What do you say? And Trickster extends his hand to Gorilla Grodd, and Gorilla Grodd says, Like the back of your hand? You know nothing! And tears the Trickster's arm right off at the elbow. Yeah. And, uh... Awesome, awesome panel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> really, I'd rather like that. You know, I the Flash has consistently been one of the most beautifully drawn books of the New Fifty Two. Yes, and it has had some amazing ideas. I feel, unfortunately, you know. So, just to clarify, the book is written and drawn by right. Francis Manupol and Brian Bucalato. Right. I feel like they need a writer. Yep. And that has, you know, I I thought Francis Manupol was expertly teamed with Jeff Johns, you know, uh, when they were, when they were doing the book together. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, when, when Johns left the series, they had left, you know, Francis Manupol to do the story work and, and then, you know, gave him a buddy to work with. And I just don't think he's a strong enough storyteller yet. He's certainly got great ideas, and I think he's, he is developing his craft. And so I cut him a lot of slack. But that's the reason why I haven't been on this book. You know, I just don't feel like the story lives up to the art. And the art is beautiful. I yeah. thoroughly enjoy Francis Manupol's artwork. Um, I do have one qualm to say about Francis Manupol's artwork. Oh, oh a qualm. A qualm has a qualm. This book... Is not pleasant to read digitally. I would agree with that. This book is meant to be read in print. Mm-hmm. Lots of double page spreads, lots of interesting choices mm-hmm. in uh, layout that you are going to entirely miss if you read it digitally. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, again, that's not a fault with Manupol's art. He is drawing a printed comic book. But if you are trying to read it, I do recommend reading it um, in print or via the trade. Um, but I, I, I feel like they need a writer or a scripter, you know, someone to come in and do the script. They can do, yeah. keep doing the story, but someone should come in and just do yeah. the dialogue because it's missing excitement. Is what it is. Sto- 
Well, and it's missing some some compelling dialogue, you know, and I and I think that's the dialogue should should support the artwork uh, and and really give it that flair, and it just it it hasn't done that for me. So I, I'm going to pick up the next issue because that that last panel with you know super super speed powered Gorilla Grodd really uh, interested me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Want to see where that goes? Yeah, again, great ideas. I hope and. The issue, the zero issue, mm-hmm. was probably the best issue of this series so far. Right. So I thought they were on the right track, but this kind of went. Back, this was a bit of a regression in the storytelling for me, you know, into, into what I expect from this book, which is a gorgeous book that's not really all that well written. Yeah. So again, you know, Jeff Johns, just lend a little bit of your day to scripting this book out. <laughs> and uh, you'd have a top ten bestseller on your hands, I think. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have a sense of, of how it's doing. I assume it's doing well, but I don't think it's in their top tier. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, it's it's the creative team has been on it since the beginning. You know, there haven't yeah. been any shifts, so that's a good good sign. Sure. Now, a book that uh, uh, a brand new New Fifty Two book that came about as a result of a canceled, you know, some canceled New Fifty Two books, and their replacements have started to come out. Uh, Talon number one came out this week. Um, coming Hot out on the heels of uh, Talon number zero. Yes, out of the Court of Owls crossover in Batman. And uh, a couple of us gave this one a shot, me, Tim, and Aaron. Uh, Tim, you haven't spoken in a little while. What did you think of Talon number one? Well, let's, let's start with the art. The, the, it's uh, it's art by uh, a guy named Colin March, which I, I, I don't remember ever seeing before. But... Um, he did a connoisseur. Yeah, he did Catwoman for New Fifty Two. Before that, he did Gotham City Sirens. So he 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 is typically a pretty woman art book. This okay. this is the first book I've seen him on that like, has a male lead character, like Julia Roberts' Pretty Woman. Yes, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I really like the art uh, all throughout. Um, is is that is a kind of unique kind of styling, and maybe that's the colorist too, because the colorist uh, we talked about this as a zero. There's not a whole lot of sharp colors like you'd see in like Green Lantern, for example. This is very, you know, mono monochromic, kind of grayed out the whole th- well, the whole way out, and that really fits the whole Court of Owls. Um, I, I like the setup. It was a little ham-fisted, but I, I, it was enjoyable. What, what did you think, Paul? I dug it. I thought it was a great start of a, a series. Is it something I've seen before? Of course. I mean, we've seen this concept before. Guy who escaped comes back to take down the, you know, the 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 people who screwed his life. But I, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed this book. Uh, the art I thought was fantastic. I enjoyed the zero issue, and I enjoyed this one even more. Um, my only issue with it was I don't really like the costume. I, I don't like the Talon costume. With, like, the fur or whatever around his neck. Not my favorite concept. I would prefer to see him just in that black ninja costume he had at the beginning. Aaron, what's you think? I dug it. I dug it hard. Um, the... I, I was kind of with with uh, Tim. I, I wasn't real familiar with the artist. In fact, when I when I got in several pages to it, there's a uh, kind of a distinct Kubert kind of style to it. Um, and so I'd gone back to the beginning of the book. And I'm like, well, who's drawing this? Because you know, it, it very very strong uh, sense of style to it. Um, 
I like the story. I like the character. Um, I, I, he is one of the first, uh, characters inter, you know, um, added to the Batman universe that I've liked in a great long time. You know, so many times they add a new character to the Batman universe and I just, I feel like they're very forced. Um, and he just seems like a logical fit and just a nice, uh, outcropping from that Court of Owls story. Uh, I, I, I dug it. I think it was a fantastic book. What I think is interesting is this is kind of, at least the first one I can think of, but if not the first one, one of the few books that ha- was cr- that has been created that is specifically New 52. Right. Specifically yeah. comes from something New 52, not out of something from the old 52, or the old book, you know, DC right, universe. universe. Yeah. You know, this came specifically out of a storyline from the New 52, brand new character, and it, it's really well done. Yeah, very organic to, to the universe. I... I you know I like and this is I know you you said you weren't hot on the costume Paul but you know what I like about the costume hmm. it doesn't look like anybody else's costume this is true you know everybody yeah. else's in in the new 52 you know essentially Batman Superman Flash Green Lantern all of their costumes are the same true you know they've got the same piping on them and whatnot it's like they went to the same designer um and they did, Jim Lee. Right. <laughs> um, but this guy looks different. He is a breath of fresh air. He really is. And I, like I said, you know, he, he's a nice addition to Gotham. Yeah, I think it's, and I kind of, I kind of like his costume, Paul. I, I do. I, the the thing that uh, stuck out to me was the was his gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those definitely look pretty cool. Yeah. See, my main issue with the costume is just the, the fur or wings or whatever on the back. The cape thing. Yeah, yeah the cape thing. That's my only issue with it. It's just uh, it's an odd design choice. But I, I enjoyed the book, and I really like the concept. You know, I, I don't know how long it'll last, you know, cause, but, it, you know, it sets up an interesting concept, almost a TV show concept. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But it works really well, you know, and it sets up a mystery. You know, who is this old guy that's helping him? You know, I'm sure there's something there that we'll find out. But uh, great book. I, I will definitely be picking up the next one and a good start to the series. Yeah, you know, I, I dug issue zero. I dug issue one. Um, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I, I, uh, I almost as excited to hear that uh, Walt Flanagan and Kevin Smith are doing a new Batman book. Yeah, I know you're excited about that, Paul. You know, I, I enjoyed. Was it cacophony? What was it? Cacophony. Yeah, cacophony and widening gyre. Yeah, I enjoyed both of those. So, you know, I, I, in fact, I enjoyed Cacophony more than White. No. What's the second one? Cacophony. Widening Gyre. Widening Gyre. Widening Gyre. Yeah. I enjoyed Cacophony. I didn't read Widening Gyre. Widening Gyre I enjoyed much more than Cacophony. Yeah, it had more room to breathe. I think Cacophony, you know, was... While Widening Gyre did have Kevin Smith tendencies, I felt like they were way overdone in in the first, in Cacophony. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I liked the, the story more in Widening Gyre. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new one, Bellicosity. Do we know when it's supposed to come out? Is it the summertime? Um, right. Yeah, here's what it says. It says for next summer. Yeah. Which is, the, which final is cha- the final yeah. chapter of the battle between Batman and Onomatopoeia. Yeah, uh, which, uh, you know, I, I believe, which was a big spoiler for the first one there. Thanks, Aaron. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, the, uh, I've heard Kevin Smith talk about this before, you know, because he, he had, he had originally thought that the, uh, dawn of the new 52 would preclude him from being able to return to the story. 
And, you know, Dan DiDio essentially told him, he said, ah, yeah, do whatever the hell you want to do. Your, you know, your, your story takes place in the old universe. And so he's really got carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wants to do in that book. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Kevin Smith has time when he's not officiating fake Fantastic Four weddings. <laughs> God, that was awful. That show's terrible. That show. <laughs> so you watched some, did you? Ten minutes. <laughs> I, I'm guessing this was comic book men. Yes, I did. Oh, not that see show it. was so bad. It was. It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> so if if this takes place in the old DC universe before pre fifty before fifty two, should I start writing him now, asking him to have Stephanie Brown in the story? Maybe you should. Oh, maybe she'll Maybe die. he'll listen. Maybe she will be killed in this series. Yeah, right. Nice. Paul, I'm going to go write evil stories about you being killed. <laughs> yeah, Paul, that'll show you. Yeah. Wayne begins a whole new t- style of fan fiction <laughs> Paul called Slash. Death Porn. Paul Slash. Yeah. Actually, I'm just letting Paul get it all out because I have plans for January 1st. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I have contingency plans. For you. This is where Paul announces his Wayne sister Twitter feed. So you know, while Paul decided to read Punisher Warzone this week because he saw that I was reading it, um, he asked me earlier in the week. He asked he asked all of us actually to read. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales, Sleepy Hollow, number one. I was the only one who bit. Sucker. And fuck you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I, God, I hated this book. (laughs) I I thought it was pretty good. Oh, Paul. (laughs) Paul, tell me why you think this book was good. Well, I mean, uh, so, I I am... No, no, Paul, tell me. I'm getting there. Just say it, Paul. Uh, I am. So I am a huge fan of the Sleepy Hollow story. I love different interpretations of it. I, 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 I you know, with that Liz Horseman thing, I don't know. I'm a sucker for it. So Grim Fairy Tales, you know, Xenoscope announced they were going to do a Grim Fairy Tales Sleepy Hollow miniseries. I was excited. And, you know, f- but after reading Robin Hood, which I think, Wayne, you read with me. I was a t- yep, and I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, but I, I went on Twitter. I'm like, I hope Sleepy Hollow is different than Robin Hood, because Robin Hood feels much like part of a bigger universe. And I didn't like that aspect of it. I hope Sleepy Hollow is more self-contained. And of course, and the writer of Robin Hood was not happy with me. Uh, you know, he, he, he asked me on Twitter, he's like, what didn't you like about it? What, blah, blah, blah. So we went back and forth a little bit. Um, and so I read... Word. Yeah, it was, it was a little awkward. I'm, like, I'm not saying your book is bad. You know, that's like being at the restaurant going, man, I really don't like this burger, and the chef comes out. Tell me what you like with burger. Come on, well, tell and me. That's the thing. Like, I mean, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just didn't, you know, there was just an aspect of it that I was hoping was not in this book. But you didn't like it. <laughs> no, it was fine. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not saying your book was bad. I'm just saying I hope It this wasn't good. <laughs> So, <laughs> Grim Fairy Tales Sleepy Hollow number one did give me what I wanted. It did not feel like part of a larger universe. It felt like the beginning of a horror movie. And yes, maybe a B grade horror movie. Uh, a B minus grade horror movie. A B minus grade horror movie, but I'm a sucker for horror. And this felt like the beginning of a horror movie. And that's why I enjoyed it. Now, you know, if I had read this book with B movie horror in mind, um,. I might have enjoyed it more. Okay, so let me just say that right up front. If I had come in with the mindset of this, this is 
for lack of a better term, a serious story, right? <laughs> that 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 it is, uh, you know, B level entertainment. I might have enjoyed it more because I was applying a different standard to it, and the dialogue in this book and the relationships in the book irritated the hell out of me. You know, the whole, you know, I'm an athlete in college and I am going to, you know, bully the uh, the smart guy into doing my, my homework for me. I mean, I just, I I am so beyond that kind of storytelling uh, in, in what I typically read. But if I had considered it B-level entertainment, I might have accepted that more. Um, the art on the book in certain places is awful. Um, the, <laughs> there is the, can't defend uh, that. I mean, there, there are definitely some art issues. Well, and I mean, I, there was a, a panel where his girlfriend stands up from the table and she's wearing, you know, a belly shirt and shorts and her shorts came out of her mom's drawer because I mean, they are so high up on her, on her waist. Uh, I mean, she looks like she's, you know, 39 years old. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was ridiculous. Um, and so I'm like, okay, is this book taking place in the 90s, or is that just a bad choice by the part of the artist? And I think it was just a bad choice on the part of the artist. Um, the art in this book is, is just awful in some places, and awful for different reasons. For instance, um, the artist clearly has no understanding or grasp of women's fashion. None at all. I mean, it, it, it's like he has has never seen a woman wearing a dress before. That he's not looked at a woman out in public in recent years. And then there's the page of the party, and it's like he's never been to a party before. You know, because you know <laughs> the 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 party is so poorly constructed on the page, it doesn't look like you know a real gathering of people. It also doesn't look like a real home. You know, I mean... Well, they should have just hired you, Aaron, fashionista consultant. <laughs> well, I mean, I hate... You, to, you head in Perez, a consulting firm. I, I feel bad being so critical because Paul enjoyed this book so much. And let's just say that the, that the cover was awesome and promised something really cool that you didn't get in this book. Um, I was frustrated that, you know, you knew that a beheading was coming, you know, and it's promised... And never delivers in this book. I, you know, I agree. I agree. You're going to have to tune in to issue two for the beheading. And let's, can, can we please all agree, or at least both of us, that <laughs> the manner in which they're going to behead him is ridiculous? Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I just thought this was a supremely bad book. I'm curious now, how are they going to behead him that's ridiculous? Uh, they, they, in order to bully him into uh, giving this kid the answers for a test, um, they tie him up and put him on train tracks. And then the train starts coming. They're like, oh, crap, we thought this, these train tracks were uh, were abandoned. And uh, uh, they untie the guy, but, of course, he stumbles, and you know his head falls across the train tracks, and here comes the train, which I assume is a spectral train. Because it looks like it's from you know the 19th century, <laughs> but uh, I gotta tell you this I I hate to say it because you know we love our friends over at Xenoscope, but this book was ass. <laughs> at the very least, we love Raven Gregory for Xenoscope. 
Yeah, I, uh... stuff always... You know, I've yet to his I haven't loved. And that's why I have uh, such a strong feeling towards Xenoscope, such positive thoughts. No, I, I love those guys. I just really strongly dislike this book. And i got to say, again, I liked it from a B-horror movie aspect, which is what I was trying to get out of it. I got and, it out of it. And, and honestly, satisfied. when I look at it from that standard, Paul, um, a lot of, with the exception of not knowing what a party looks like <laughs> and not being able to draw women, women in clothes, um, I see that, and I can see how you enjoyed it at that level. Yeah, and now I do. You know, there are, are there are definite art issues, and unfortunately, you know, not to make a blanket statement here, I, I do find that I find a lot of art issues in many of Xenoscope's books. Um, I feel they all have, and maybe it's as a result of they have these gorgeous, gorgeous covers, and the interiors just don't typically live up to the covers. But. uh and this is definitely one of those situations. But again, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, unfortunately, when it came out, the week it came out, it was one ninety nine, and then the price went up. Yeah, you owe me a dollar, by the way. To two ninety nine. Um, sorry about that, Aaron. Yeah, you owe me a dollar. <laughs> but uh, I, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to continue on with the series. I don't know how. I think it's only a four issue miniseries, but yeah, I, I won't be in on the next one. You'll have to sucker some other guy into that. Hey, so Tim. No, yeah. <laughs> no, Tim doesn't like horror. So Wayne, <laughs> hey, if you would buy it, I'd read it. See, damn, <laughs> that just happened. Yes. So did. speaking of branching out, you know what? It's still showing as one ninety nine on Comicsology, the website. Aaron, I got scrooged. If that's what you get for buying it on your iPad, I eat me your Mac's iPad. That's fine. You're going to, uh, you know, give me that dollar back. <laughs> Take it out of my ass. <laughs> St. Louis, pal. St. Louis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, let's talk about some kid-friendly material. Gossamer. Um, oh, it's not the Superman versus uh, Spider-Man porn parody? That's not the kid-friendly material? No. That, in fact, I, I believe there there is no pornography in Gossamer. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Tell me about this. Tell me about this new thing. Aaron's like, I'm not sold already. (laughs) Uh, Well, Finding Gossamer uh, was a zero issue for uh, Free Comic Book Day this year. And I don't think I got the zero issue. When I bought the first issue, that was the first I'd experienced of it, and it was purely for the art. So I don't know what happened in the zero issue. I'm very curious. Uh, the, zero, the zero issue was kind of bits and pieces of the of, the, of issue one. It, 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 it took out some of the some of the middle parts and got you into the the story. Okay. So if you picked up issue one, you you've you got issue zero basically. Uh, so Finding Gossamer is uh, a, a a third world uh, comic book series, and I've never heard of third world before, but. Um, the uh, person, the, the creative team is David A. Rodriguez and Sarah Allerton. And I, the, the thing I like about this book is I read it exactly as if I'm, I'm watching a cartoon. It, it, the, the way the way the art flows, it in my head it's moving. It, it's yeah. very it, that's that art has got to be mentioned. That is the most beautiful art I have I may have ever seen in a comic book. I mean, I haven't been this awestruck with art since Kingdom Come, since some of the, you know, some of the Alex Ross stuff. It just, 
the book just, uh, that's why I originally bought it, is I flipped through it, and I was just jaw-dropped by how beautiful this art was. Yeah, and uh, what I'll say to that is I, I, I love the style, and I, and I love the, the feel, which is very, I'm going to say Disney, but that's not quite the, the, the feel I want to I wanna give, but it, it's very polished, is what I'll say. And I'm yes. not going to say it's, I'm not going to say it's the, the you know, greatest comic book art ever, because there's certain things about comic book art that I like that this does that this doesn't have because of the way they tell the story, but it fits so perfectly. Did you say it was very polished? Because I would like yeah. it too then. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's, I, I think it's very polished. Very polished. Um, oh, polish. Polish? Polish? Paul, back in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the main, the main story is, is about a young, a young kid who, uh, clearly has some kind of Asperger's or something or other. Uh, he's, he's incredibly gifted. Uh, but yet he's very, very quirky. So you get a lot of that. Um, and I think it's possibly a form of autism. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that too. And he's in, he, um, in his, it, it, I'm pretty sure it's his older sister who's left to, um, kind of take care of both of them because th- their mom has issues. And it's just this story about, um, how this kid finally breaks this mathematical code that's actually a seal into another world. And, you know, uh, that was basically book one. And book two starts, you know, having the adventures in this other world. So it was a lot of setup. But what, the reason I want to talk about it is um, I, I got this mainly because my wife was somewhat interested in it. And so uh, we're collecting it. And she's like, when's the next one come out? And I said, a month. And she's like, oh, this is why I hate comic books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I would recommend it. I think this is a, this is a book that um, you know Andrew, who has has a young child, should get. <laughs> oh yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, I I would highly recommend it to any comic book parent that's going to try to inspire the love of comic books. Yeah, the character son or daughter. The characters are very well developed. The writing is very good. It's you know I don't want to say it's a it's not a kids book. It's more like an all ages book. Yeah, it, there is stuff there for adults. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of things they call all ages books really are just kids books. Mm-hmm. This is more like a, let's let's call it like a Pixar book film yeah. versus a Disney. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the stuff having to do with the old, the older sister. There's a lot of real life problems that you see once he's off the screen. Once the child's off the screen, that she has to deal with like you know talking to the the you know the the mom and stuff like that. And seeing all the bills and it, it, yeah, it's, it's, I would agree, Wayne. I think there's something there for everybody. So, again, Finding Gossamer, uh, third world comic series. This one might be a little bit tougher to find, uh, if your comic book store is a little more, uh, traditional, I would say. But, yeah, only one of, only yeah, one of my two stores has it. Because it's, uh, it really is. I'd never even heard of the company before, but now I'm curious if they've done anything else. Yeah, they did a story called, uh, or a series called The Stuff of Legend that was kind of like a dark toy story. Uh, you know, the toys are alive, and it's kind of like a, a the adventure. Um, and that was a beautiful book, if you're if you're looking for a, art, a book with gorgeous art. So Third World Studios, they've done some good stuff, and I think that's won some awards. But I'm, I will have to pick up this Finding Gossamer. Sounds interesting. I don't have any kids, but... <laughs> I, I I am young at heart, and and I still you know I still have my Fred Flintstone bottle. So, 
Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I think we've got some zombies to give away, don't we, Aaron? That's right. On the website, we were giving away uh, the first eight volumes uh, of uh, Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. And uh, we had asked, if you entered on the website, to tell us uh, what you dressed up as your, on your first Halloween. And our lucky winner is Ray Gibbs, Wait, who tells us... It's not me? No, it's not you, Paul. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, you know, our first winner is Ray Gibbs, who tells us that his very first costume was a pumpkin, according to old pictures. But the first one that he remembers was dressing up as a ninja. So he is Pumpkin the Ninja. Well, if he would dress up as a ninja, he wouldn't have gotten any candy because no one would have seen him. That's right. Bam. Unless he was a bad ninja. You're doing it wrong. Or, you know, he's that ninja who steals your bowl. Oh, you know, you, that's pretty cool. You know, you're sitting there, you're giving out candy to the kids, and the next kid comes up and like, "Where's the bowl? <laughs> fucking, fucking ninja pumpkin took it." Yep, ninja pumpkin, doing, ninja doing, pumpkin. Fu- doing fucking ninja teeping. <laughs> people's houses giving away fucking that's right toothbrushes and apples and shit. Soaping their windows. Yep. Yeah. Surprise yeah. eggings. Smashing the jack o' lanterns. We got awfully explicit in this last minute of the podcast. <laughs> You do remember we talked about porn at the beginning, right? I just I just see some old guy standing on his porch shaking his fist at the night going, Pumpkin Ninja! <laughs> so real quick, what are, what are you guys' favorite costumes that you, that you were as a kid? As a kid, I yeah. one year I, uh, I dressed up as a wizard with a... Uh, I had created out of aluminum foil and wire, a, instead of using a wand, I had created like a, a, a bionic finger kind of thing to function as my wand with a scope on it, you know, so that, uh, you know, I could fire my magic blasts at people with uh, telescopic sight accuracy. <laughs> Interesting. Yes, I. <laughs> I'm Aaron I the Wizard, and I seldom miss at this range. <laughs> I, I know one year um, I, I got an old. When my mom got me an old Air Force uh, like kind of jumpsuit thing, uh-huh. and I went as a Ghostbuster. Uh huh. And we had the whole the whole proton pack, and she oh, yeah. used like an old cereal box, and you know put some plastic on it so you could see, and she put ghosts in there, and it was very artsy, and I that was my favorite costume. That's pretty cool. When when my buddy and I dressed up that year, uh, we had gone to the magic shop and bought smoke bombs. And there are these great smoke bombs. They're called Ozark Smokes. And they, they would start, when you threw them out, they would, they would shoot smoke out on the ground and then would plume straight up so that you could then, like, leap out from the alley and come through it like you just appeared there. Yeah. We, we did that, like, all night long. <laughs> yeah, those were, those were banned in 1985, I'm sure. <laughs> How about you, Paul? Um, well, I remember Superman being Superman, obviously. Um, I remember being... That, that was last year, right? <laughs> yeah, that's every year. <laughs> I remember being uh, every Indiana night. Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones was good. And my mom you know, made me a, a little scruff. Like She, she put some uh, you know, makeup on my face so it looked like I had the, the 5 o'clock shadow and I had the hat and I had a whip. Uh, that was fun. My last year of trick-or-treating, I was Dr. Doom. Now, I started growing at an early age. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but you can only trick-or-treat up to 12 here in Virginia. Is that like a rule? 
Yeah, it's a rule. It's a law. It's the the, the law is that twelve years old. Yeah, we don't have that defined here. Yeah, no, I I trick or treated. I think the last time I trick or treated was in college. <laughs> no, I'm not proud of that. But <laughs> the, the law is 12 years old is the oldest you can trick or treat. But I was a very tall 12 year old, so I had people. I was dressed as Doctor Doom, and I was very excited because Doctor Doom, Doom, Doom says candy. Um, <laughs> Doom wants candy. My imperial degree, I, I doth declare candy. <laughs> treat me. But I had people refuse me candy. Because they said I was I was too old. I'm like, no, I'm 12 years old. They're like, no, you're not 12 years old. And you know, it's not like I had a 12 year old ID to show them. No, so I had people refuse me candy. So my well, last my last trigger training was Shadow was giving you away, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I was six feet seven, no. <laughs> taller than I am now. Okay, we saved the best for last because Wayne is definitely the awkward confession king. Yes. I want to hear this. Here we go. Did you well, go to Cinderella I, one year, Wayne? Carrie, no. I've uh, I actually have a hard time remembering most of the costumes. The only ones that I really remember clearly was uh, I went as Dracula one year with the uh, face paint and you know dyeing my hair black because it was the temporary spray paint dye that they have at costumes. And then one year, my mom made me a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles costume. And I mean, like she made this, uh, she made the whole shell and the front as a piece that you put on over it, so you were like the turtle that was going inside the shell, and. I remember having that for for years, and it was a you know just something I would still have to play with because it was a uh, you know it was a very light because it was a stuffed shell, but it was a nice big stuffed shell, and it was a completely homemade. Nice, but yeah, that's really all I can remember. I mean, I don't know why. I just can't remember any of my Halloween costumes. I know I went trick or treating every year, but. It's because Can't he was remember. stoned. Wayne got into drugs at a very early age. <laughs> <laughs> and the, All right, Paul, what do we what do we got to look forward to next week? All right, so uh, next week we already talked about Superman Earth 1 Volume 2. Uh, we, we've also got Rocketeer Cargo of Doom number 3. Uh, a couple of annuals from DC, Swamp Thing, Justice League Dark, Batgirl, and Action Comics. Um, DC Vertigo is putting out Ghosts number 1. Um, it is a, a, a Halloween one-shot that has a, stories by some of their top talent, including Jeff Johns and Jeff Lemire, uh, doing a, a ghost story. So I, I might actually pick that up. Um, we already talked about the Mighty Thor number 22. So now we get into my questions portion of the show. Uh-oh, questions. Questions. A plus X number one. I don't even know what that is. It is the new, like, Avengers X-Men team-up book. Um, Isn't that Uncanny Avengers? No. I mean, it should <laughs> yeah. be. But um, the first, it's kind of like, it's an anthology series. I should warn you. But the first mm-hmm. issue has um, art by, or stories by Dan Slott and Jeff Loeb, with art by Dale Keown. Uh, he does a, a Dale Keown does a Wolverine Hulk story with Jeff Loeb, and then there's a Captain America Cable story by uh, Dan Slott and Ron Garney. I like the sound of both of those. Yeah, I, I am on board. Dale Keown's one of my favorite comic artists, uh, so there there is pretty much no doubt that I am picking this book up. Um, also next week is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual. Which I know we don't normally pick up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think Wayne reads it from uh, IDW. Yeah. 
I finally stopped buying it, but it was only after uh, I was. It was only like a month or so ago when I was trying to start cutting back books that I uh, I stopped buying it. I've still got a pile of them up to uh, issue number 14 that I haven't read yet. Really? But the big thing about the annual is that the art is completely by Kevin Eastman. Um, hmm. The first time doing, you know, art on, the tur- you know, doing a full Turtles book probably since the original run on the series. Oh, wait, I'm going to pretend to be a comic book man. Who, who's Kevin Eastman? <laughs> Kevin Eastman <laughs> is one of the creators of Team of Ninja Turtles with Peter Lair. <gasps> <laughs> oh, um, oh, that's so. great, Tim. That's why I hate that show. <laughs> so I, I'm excited about that. Actually, I mean, Kevin Eastman on the Turtles doing the art. He's one of my, he, you know, he he defines Turtles art for me. So I'm gonna pick that up. And uh, I'm excited about Masters of the Universe: The Origin of Skeletor, number one, and I'll be picking that one up alone. Yes, you will. Yeah, Lone Ranger and that shit. <laughs> but no one's picking up Action Comics at annual? Cully Hamner, Aaron. Action Comics? Uh, it's not written by Grant Morrison. Who's writing it? Sholy Fish. Who it's got a backup story by Max Landis. I know Max we talked about this earlier, but I don't know who that person is. He did the backups on Action Comics, like the Steel backups and stuff. Uh-huh. Ooh, the Steel backup was really good. Doesn't matter. What Cully is Hamner. the story of this? Yeah. It is. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Superman does something, and there's a villain involved. I think it's got the. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I tell you what, Paul can sell a book. Can't he? <laughs> I mean, it's like story time with Paul. <laughs> Okay, let's read the actual solicit that might actually tell us something. The secrets of the missing five years between when Clark Kent came to Metropolis and the present day continue to be revealed. In the wake of Brainiac's attack on Metropolis, Superman faces his first Earth-born villain, the Kryptonite Man. Plus a special backup story by the screenwriter of Chronicle, Max Landis. All right, now I'm afraid to say this after Paul just rivetedly tried to sell us this other book. But I'm a really big fan of JMS. I'm not a real big fan of Superman. Sell me on Earth One Volume One. <sighs> Wayne, I'll leave this one up to you because you're the only one of us who actually liked it. <laughs> I didn't think it was good enough to try to sell someone on it, though. I en- Ouch. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, but uh, I said I'd, I wouldn't try to sell someone on it because I didn't enjoy it that much you're to try to sell right. someone on it. Tim, I'll, uh, let me I'll, I'll help you out on, on this one. Do you guys have like half price bookstores like Aaron does? Yeah. yeah. If you can get it for ten bucks, more than worth ten bucks. Not okay. worth twenty bucks. It's just surprising that you all go on and get volume two, but you didn't. Well, you know, I, I, I thought there were things to to like about the original book, about uh, the, the first volume. I really, I, I am excited that they're past the origin story. Yeah. You know? I can't describe it like I described the uh, that last Star Trek movie, mm-hmm. in that I didn't really care for that movie, but it did a lot that was good, and it set up for a good second movie. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I love that Yeah, movie. I love that. I, I disagree with Wayne's interpretation of the movie, but I agree with what he's saying about Superman. Yeah, I've uh, I've made it very well known. I hated the time travel story in that movie. It wasn't time travel. We're gonna have to, gonna have to Paul Steele Earth One Volume Two. It, it, it wasn't time travel. 
time travel. It was not time travel. Oh, I'm not God. saying it was no, time we're not travel, this but it was time travel. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was not time travel. It was travel to an alternate universe, but, uh, you know. At a different point in time. It was time travel <laughs> creating an alternate this universe. Is, this is the part of the series where we put our retainers away and say goodnight. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>